you for that awesome song, Joe, and praise. Thank you, Bob. Morning River Valley, uh, here we are again, um, coming to you uh, via Facebook and the website. Let's, uh, let's jump into this word and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word, to um, realize that there is no separation in distance, there is no separation in faith, there's no separation in love, that we are together. Even though we may not physically be in the same room, we are all of the same mind, the same body, in, as one, in unity, helping each other, lifting up each other. So Father, we just thank you for this opportunity and and uh, we, we pray a special blessing on our state and our country and our leaders today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, last week, we talked about um, get real, right? The, the reality of love, that that's God's reality. Today, I want to talk about something else. I would call the power of love, right? Now, a lot of people think that the most important word in the Bible or the most important concept in the Bible is truth. Uh, We call the Bible the word of truth, right? It's the word of God. It, It is the truth. It's the truth we stand on. We rely on it to be the answer in all disputes. It's inherent. It's inspired. Uh, We stand on the truth that Jesus was born of a virgin, lived as a man yet without sin, was crucified, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and will return. But truth is not the most powerful concept or the most powerful word in the experience of the Christian. Love is the most significant word for the Christian. Love is the most important, most powerful word in our religious faith. Truth is important. But the truth is that love is the truth. Okay? Now let's go back and look at a scripture we looked at last week. We'll look at it again today. And just by way of understanding, I'm going to be referencing 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, uh, throughout today's sermon. But we're not going to read the whole thing because we don't have that kind of time. Well, we're all home, so we really do have that kind of time. But anyway, so, um, but I'll be referring to that throughout today's sermon. So just just as a, as a watchword. But anyway, let's go to 1 John chapter 4. Give you a minute to get over there. And while, while you're getting over there, let's remember that we're talking about living in God's reality, right? And that begins with this understanding. 1 John chapter 4, let's read verse 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So, to know God, to know the love of God, 
is to know or harness the greatest power in the universe. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is the power of love. Now, head on over to Proverbs for a minute. Proverbs chapter 10. If I could get there, that'd be awesome. Proverbs chapter 10. Let's start with this idea. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. In other words, the power of love overwhelms and can overcome hate. Love is kind. And when we stand on that power, then we can stand on the power of love to enable us to be able to do things like forgive. The power to restore. The power to unchain ourselves from guilt and shame. That is the power of love. Staying on that theme, go back over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and let's look over at verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, and do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Love doesn't seek revenge, but rather in a very practical way brings the positive power of blessing, of prayer, of seeking the well-being even for those who hate you and despise you. That's the power of love. The power of love is to act in a way that we love our enemies because we conquer hate with love. We overcome evil with good. Martin Luther King said it this way, only light can defeat darkness. Only love can defeat hate. That is powerful. And the power of that love is the power of light. So, point one, and I'm only going to make like ten points today, but anyway, point one is that love covers a multitude of sins. And we're going to come back to that in an in a even more profound way later in the sermon. But the understanding is that the power of love is that is the power that allows us to forgive, to overcome our hates, that allows us to be able to correct that self-defeating self-talk we talked about last week. There's more. Go to Galatians. I can get over there. Boy, I'm slow today. That's all right. I'm, I'm flumming through just like you guys. Galatians chapter 5. And let's start reading uh, Galatians chapter 5. And let's look at verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. 
That's a critical idea that we need to understand today, okay? Because we often talk about faith. I mean, of course, we talk about faith in the church. We walk by faith, not by sight. The just shall live by faith, right? Faith is the only thing that pleases God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. We spend a lot of time talking about faith, and we should, because faith is a critical part of our existence, With faith, I can move a mountain and say, be moved from here to there, and it shall obey me. I can speak the word, just as the centurion tells us in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 13, right? The centurion comes to to Jesus, and he says, my servant lies at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus says, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion says, you don't need to come to my house. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus marveled at this great faith of the centurion. But here's the thing. The centurion was healed because of his faith, and he can speak by faith. I can call those things which be not as though they were. I can be heir to the world, Romans chapter 4. All of that is true, but without love, I can have the faith to move a mountain, yet without love, I am nothing. How much does God love you? I think sometimes we, we, you know, we say that in this sort of cheesy kind of way. God loves you. Yeah, okay, that's true. How much does he love the creation? He spoke creation into existence by faith. But it couldn't be spoken into existence by faith unless it was working through love, who he is. So when he says, in the beginning God created, yes, God created by faith working through love, he created you, he created all of this. So when you say, I'm believing for something, you say, I have faith for X, whether that be healing or reconciliation, forgiveness, mending a broken relationship, if that faith isn't attached to and working through love, it is null and void. It's not working. Because Galatians 5, 6 tells us that faith works through love. That's the conduit that gets faith moving is love. We love God. If we're going to have faith, we got to love God. Love our neighbors. Love ourselves. Allow the Holy Spirit to transform and renew our minds to love. Then we can move mountains. Then we know that when we pray, that our prayers are effective and fervent. Prayers that avail much is because it's faith working through love now i've done something i normally don't do i started this whole thing without setting all my definitions in place so let's talk about love right dictionary says love is an intense a feeling of great attraction um faith 
means a belief. It could be in anything, right? Faith, right? Love can be, and, and I'm saying these things, right? Because we can say faith, pistis, is faith in anything. We can say that there's love. Love means an attraction. And I'm saying it that way because love can also be manipulated. Faith can be manipulated. They can, their power can be harnessed and work not towards the glory of God, but to our own demise in some cases. Right? Look at the Pharisees. Go to Matthew again, chapter 5. Go back over to Matthew 5, and we'll start, uh, and we'll look at, uh, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6. I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 6. Let's look at verse 5. Now, he just got done talking about the model prayer. Notice what he's, or he's about to, sorry, Jesus is about to give us the model prayer, but he starts with this discussion about the Pharisees. And this is what he says, verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love and pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. In other words, the Pharisees had love, but they were loving wrongly in the sense that what they loved was their own power. What they loved was their own egos, right? And they loved to stand in public and get all of this, people looking at, ooh, the Pharisees are praying and so on, right? To make all kinds of proclamations and stick their chests out, right? A love of pride is love that doesn't serve God, but it's still love, right? In the sense of an attraction, right? Love of pride blinded them to the one theological truth they should have recognized, that Jesus was the fulfillment of everything they say they believed. But because they loved themselves more than they loved God, more than they loved the truth, how did they respond knowing that Jesus was the fulfillment and therefore a threat to their power? They had him killed. That's love the wrong way. Right? They sought to destroy him. Go over to Matthew chapter 6. We'll stay in Matthew. You know, we studied this at River Valley for like two years, so I'm kind of hooked on Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, let's go over to verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either we will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Greed is another form of love gone wrong. You can't love God and worship money at the same time. Okay? Now, now let, me get real, let me get real practical on you in the era of COVID-19. Okay? All right, here we go. All right, let me get real. Be cool. Here we go. How many of you ran out to the store and hoarded up everything you could find to bring it home, leaving others who needed supplies unable to get them. 
That's greed. That's not love. That wasn't you loving your family. That was you loving yourself and acting in fear to hoard things instead of saying, I love God. He will supply all my need according to his riches and glory. So let me take only what I need, not fill up 27 baskets of stuff so then no one else can get toilet paper. Did you hoard goods? Deny the ability of some to get goods? That's fear. You think it's loving yourself, but it's really fear in the service of greed. And we saw it in massive display of that over the last two weeks. That's not love. So let's get out of the delusion and get into the reality of God's love. Let's talk about the power of that love. Let's go to a familiar scripture that we all know, not in Matthew. Let's go to John chapter 3. For those of you who aren't River Valley folks, these are all sort of slight inside jokes, but it's funny. Anyway, John chapter 3. John chapter 3, let's look at this this verse that we all know by heart, every Christian knows it. When, when there's a football game, the guy under the goalpost has the sign, John 3, 16. We all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Stay in John, go over to chapter 15. Let's look at verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. What's the power of love? The power of love is that love that will lay down its life for you. The love that Jesus had that he drank the cup of your sin in the Garden of Gethsemane. The love that says, I will pay the price for all of sin once for all. I will be the sacrificial lamb to give my blood to pay the price for people 2,000 years from now who, 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 who don't know me in person but want to be free. I'm going to die for them. I'm going to give my own life so that they can live with me in eternity. That is love. Some of you are parents. How much love would it take for me to get you to take your child and allow me to sacrifice your child? Most of you would fight me tooth and nail for that, right? That's how much God loves you, okay? You want to talk about the power of love? Go over to Ephesians. Let me give you a couple more examples of this. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of our faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. 
the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named not only in this age but in that which is to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fit all and all what power are we talking about the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power of love God loved you me the world so much that he gave Christ and he raised him because of his love and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us is we have the very same power of that love residing in us when we believe in Jesus Christ that's the power working in you is the power of love you want to see the power of love how about a man who gets a a call from God on his life to start a school some 40-something years ago, obeys that, goes out, starts a school, changes tons of lives, along comes this, <laughs> this, young, <laughs> this young minister who's got a son who's on the fence. He might go the wrong way. Brings him to this school changes the kid's life, changes the father's life, changes the lives of a bunch of other people through that kid. That's the power of love. You want want to see the power of love? A young man gets a call on God, on his life. Doesn't have any reputation in town. Either a lot of people know him, but he's not really, you know, he's not some senator. He's not a city councilman. He's not a, not a pastor. He, you know, but he says, hey, I got a heart for these kids. I got to do something. So he starts a Friday night basketball program. And now, 20 years later, those kids go off. They've gone to college, come back. These are kids that everybody had given up on except him. That's the power of love. You want to talk about the power of love? A man leaves prison, goes to a local ministry in this town, Wayside Cross. I'll just mention them by name here. Surrenders himself to God, changes his life, gets married, starts coming to church, gets employed, spends his time and talent now serving God instead of serving the criminal life he led before. That's the power of love, people. It's all over the place if we would just take a look. You want to see the power of love? Oh, I can go on now. Say amen to that. The power of love, a man and a woman turn their lives and each other over to Christ. They let Christ become and be the center of their marriage. They weather every storm. 
They weather every trial. And 30 years later, they're more in love now than when they started. That's the power of love. First Corinthians, well, let me just say this and then we'll close. First Corinthians is a bridge between the gifts of the Spirit and the operation of those gifts. As we've examined here today, the power of love is I've got the gifts, I've got a calling, I've got faith, but in order for it to really happen, to manifest it, to work, to give God the glory, it's got to come through the conduit of love. It's got to come through love. And so the end of 1 Corinthians ends with this. Now abides faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest is love. The greatest is the love in you. The greatest is the love of God on your life. Have a great week. And I love you. Bob. Do what? Start the sermon from the top? Yeah, not a problem. I was going to say, don't tell me to start over. I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. I just want to do it from the sun. Boy, those lights are hot. Whew. I should have brought my... Uh,